would you look at us go? Episode 205, only one week or within the week after episode 204, which was also within the week after episode 203. I think we might be a bit on a roll. My name is Mel Erbacher. Welcome to episode 205 of the Parkrun Adventures podcast, which I am proud to call my own. And this week I am joined by the ever effervescent Lyndall Murray as co-host. Lyndall, welcome back to the pod. G'day Mel, thanks for having me again. It's great to be here. Always awesome having you. Now, Lyndall, I'm going to cut straight to the chase. We we haven't had a chat for a couple of months now. There's been a bit of chaos going on in the world and, you know, I've had other co-hosts, etc. What have you been getting up to lately? How are you keeping out of trouble? Oh, keeping pretty well. Life's been pretty normal with work and so forth through all of this. And I've been trying to keep my running up and, um, yeah, just keep myself busy and keep myself trucking forward. That's good to hear. How about you, Mel? Well, Lyndall, I'm keeping out of trouble by doing not park runs. I am pleased to report that I have done four in a row of that. See, it's like a roll's happening there as well. All four weeks, I've completed at least one. In week three, I actually did two. Don't know how I managed to find the energy and time to pull out a second 5k in one week, but it happened. I've got the proof. Um, (laughs) Sad to say that I did not maintain my streak of PBs after week two, Um, but it's kind of, you know, not a bad thing necessarily. I I feel like I am putting a bit of pressure on myself to be performing better every time and it it was kind of nice to break that streak because it takes the pressure off just a little bit. I'm I'm kind of returning to running, I guess, for the first proper time after having Emmett. You know, I've, there was a long period of walking while I was pregnant with him and and now uh, and then afterwards, you know, when I was recovering from the having of him being almost 11-pound baby. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of starting from scratch and, and remembering things from when I first started running the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of head games going on and I won't go into it here, but it's it's not all straightforward. But I am proud to say that I am, I'm getting out there. Not Parkrun is, is getting me moving again on Parkrun Day and I'm happy for that. So it's, it's all progress. It's all progress. That's great, Mel. And look, you can think of it another way. You know, the pressure can get to you, but, you know, if you're putting pressure on yourself, it means, means you're doing something that is really valuable and meaningful to you. So... Hats off to you for getting that foot out the door and getting back into running. It's not easy to get back into it after a little break and it sounds like you're making great progress. Well, I'm moving forward anyway. And that's what I always tell people. As long as you're moving forward, you're doing okay. But are you doing anything fun or different to mix up? Are you not park running? Are you doing any other kind of random challenges to, to get your feet out the door? Yeah, oh, look, I've entered a few different virtual challenges. Um, I haven't done any not park runs. I haven't logged any anyway. But I guess park run related, what I have been doing is, again, you know, virtual events are taking the place of actual events in all parts of our life at work. We're having virtual meetings and, you know, event organisers are putting on virtual run and park run's got not park run. So I've been a bit inventive with my park running and I'm pretty happy to announce that I've managed to pull off my virtual peel club. 
during COVID lockdown. So that's pretty, pretty all right. I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. Ex- explain to me, I mean, congratulations, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> but you haven't left the state, I'm assuming. How does a virtual entry into the Peel Club work? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, I have two states to, or two territories rather, to tick off. The areas missing for me are Northern Territory and ACT. So I was a bit inspired by, you know, I'd seen on some of the tourism pages and the unofficial park run pages that people had been spelling out park run with street signs and spelling out the names of park runs with street signs. So I took a bit of inspiration from that. And probably about a month ago now, I spelt out Nightcliff with a whole bunch of business names. And um, the week after that, I spelt out Coombs with a whole bunch of different parks in my neighbouring suburbs and even managed to find myself a Studley Park right here in Brisbane. Oh, really? The Studley Park up here must have a little bit of a sister in Victoria. I wonder which one came first. Oh, obviously the Queensland one. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I did try to research that but I didn't find any conclusive information about the origins of Studley Park. So uh, I think we can just claim it, Mel. (laughs) I would, you know, (laughs) just by default. Why not? It's accurate unless proven otherwise, in my opinion. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's how I um, have done my Peel Club. Yeah, it was really good because, um, you know, like you, the Not Park Run's getting you out the door. Just setting those little challenges is, you know, they seem a bit random, I know, but they got me out the door that week for a, a decent size run each week and that was important to me. So, yeah, it was fun actually plotting out the the route that I'd take to tick off my N-I-G-H-T-C-L-I-F-F. I love your creativity. It takes an adventurer to think of something so random and outside the box. <laughs> yeah, look, it was a bit of fun but as I said, it got me out the door and, yeah, I took photos of all the different signs and locations that I went past and yeah it was a lot of fun. Awesome well speaking of fun we have uh, a guest lined up who I'm looking forward to introducing very shortly but we also have a stalwart of the podcast who's coming back for a little bit of a, a new segment a little bit later on too so shall we kick off? Let's get into it Mel. We are very lucky this week to have a chat to somebody who has done two actual park runs in the last two weeks. Not not park runs, real park runs. She is the event director at Dunedin Park Run on the South Island of New Zealand and her name is Tanya Hollis. Tanya, welcome to the Park Run Adventures podcast. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Now we're really excited, obviously, to speak to a real live park runner after <laughs> you've just had real live park runs. Um, I'm going to go straight to it. What was it like getting back to park run two weeks ago? It was absolutely amazing. As soon as we'd gone into our level one here in New Zealand, which was pretty much no social distancing, no need to worry about face masks or anything like that, I started getting the questions, when are we starting again? And I was just telling them, just hang on a second, we're just waiting to hear from HQ when we can start again. And then we had the two-week countdown when we were told the start date. And then that was a matter of getting our volunteers all ready, uh, which was not too much of a problem, which was good. And then that first morning when I said, welcome back to Park Run and everybody cheered, it was just amazing. Really, really amazing. 
Did that two weeks between um, thinking you might be back and getting back just feel like ages or did it go very quickly? It went really fast because in that time as I was run directing for that one as well, I was getting making sure the kit was ready, trying to get our permissions with the council all sorted out on top of making sure that we had volunteers. So it actually went quite quickly and I was quite nervous on that first day back, wondering how many people would turn up. So, yeah, nervous excitement. Did you get emotional? Because, I mean, I'm feeling emotional just hearing you talk about it and I don't know if I'm just a, a lady on the edge with not, not enough parkrun in my life right now, but <laughs> just, you know, every time I see a video or something of parkrunners keeping connected and then knowing that you guys are actually back together, I think I would have choked up during the pre-event brief. How did you go? I just had one of those smiles that makes your face hurt. And that's kind of how it was all of Saturday morning. Just just really happy to be back and just to see everybody I hadn't seen for quite a while. So it was just, yeah, silly grin. I can imagine. I'm with Mel. I would have been blubbering. I would have been very, very emotional. <laughs> but I love the idea of a smile that makes your face hurt. That is for sure. Yeah. Is there anything that stood out from that day, Tanya, that will just be in your memory? Just everybody coming up and saying, how great it was to be back and it was so nice to see us and thanking us for starting up again, getting an extra muffin given to me in the cafe afterwards. That was kind of a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, seeing everybody's joy at being back was pretty amazing, really. And so, I mean, we, we've skipped straight to the end of the story, really. So, <laughs> <laughs> As you do when you're excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. I don't go to the last page of a book because I don't want to ruin the ending. But we do know how this ends. It ends with a happily ever after. So let's go back to the start and then we'll get to revisit the end again at the end. So we can relive it twice, as it were. How did Parkrun start for you, Tanya? Where does the story begin? Uh, it started for me actually in West Australia when I was doing a couch to 5K running program, as a lot of us start off that way these days. And I was looking for somewhere to do my first 5K run. And Rockingham Parkrun had just started a couple of weeks before I was due to do that 5K. And so I went along and I volunteered at my first park run to see what it was all about and then the next time I ran my first 5k at the Rockingham Park Run and yeah it's just been ongoing since then. That's amazing you ran the whole way on your first one? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> that doesn't happen now in Dunedin I do not run all the way in Dunedin there's yeah too many hills here. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say is it too cold? <laughs> <laughs> The cold makes you run a bit faster sometimes, I think. It's just hilly, very hilly. I have been to Dunedin and I have seen those hills, so I can appreciate how you might feel that way. But I am impressed that your very first parkrun experience was as a volunteer. I think it takes a special kind of person to volunteer at something that they've never been to before. They don't know how it all works. Were, were you nervous about that? Yeah, I think... I can't even really remember it because it's like a lot of these things, the first time you do it, it goes by in a blur. But just, I think that's what Parkrun's so good at. It just makes you feel so welcome and you can just kind of jump in and do something. And there's 
lots of support there. So I can't remember it being an absolute disaster. So that must have been a good thing. I'm sure it went very, very smoothly. Volunteering at Parkrun is very well supported and it just seems to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Tanya, early on in your Parkrun career... I shouldn't call it a career, should I? There's a little bit of um, adventuring around Western Australia. Are there any highlights there that you'd like to tell us about? Uh, Some very early morning starts to get in some of the ones down south before I left West Australia. So I remember getting up very early one day to get down to Bunbury and drive down there. And also the other thing I really remember is meeting some great people at the different park runs. But we did a longest day not official parkrun adventure where we did seven parkruns in one day and went around all the different courses at the time and that was just amazing as well. Sounds awesome. Yeah, so we know you're in New Zealand now but you started your parkrun journey in Western Australia. So you did live here on the West uh, Island of New Zealand for a period of time. (laughs) Yes, you can join us. Of course you can join us. (laughs) How we would love to do that and have all the borders, although it would mean that your cases of COVID-19 go skyrocketing, unfortunately. Mm. Let's just keep it as it is for now. Yep, yep. We'll get ourselves under control first and then we'll create the trans-Tasman bubble. Then we can all enjoy a little bit of overseas adventures as well. Yeah, absolutely. But you lived in WA for quite a time and as Lyndall said, you did managed to get in quite a few events as well while you were here. What first got you interested in adventuring? Just to see the different courses and meet some of the different people really. And we would do it often as with the friends, go off to a new one, make some new friends at another one. There was some quite good Parkrun WA community Facebook pages at the time as well. So we got to know people through those pages so we could meet up with them at their home park runs as well. West Australia is so big and it was really just starting to take off when I left. There's so, so many more. So when I go back there, I've been back a couple of times now, I always try and get down to one of the ones down where I used to live and then a new one that had started up since I'd left. Great fun. Are there any favourites, Tanya, that you have in Western Australia? Probably one of my favourites is one that doesn't actually exist anymore. It's Harrison Island. It stopped... Uh, quite a while ago now and it was on this small island that's in the middle of the Swan River and I remember going there it was a lovely morning there were dolphins in the river there were kangaroos further down the course Um, beautiful beautiful spot yeah one of my favorites. Now you've also done a swag of events in the north and south islands of New Zealand not just the west island when you moved back to New Zealand, did you immediately move to Dunedin? Did you start Dunedin Park Run or did you inherit it from someone else? How does the story move on when you get to New Zealand? So when I decided to come back to Dunedin, there was no Dunedin Park Run. And I was thinking, oh no, I'm going to have to go and start one up. That sounds like quite hard work. And then shortly after I had that thought, Dunedin Park Run turned up, which was great. So I got in contact with... Um, Emma Lawrence, who was the event director who was involved in um, setting it up, and said I was coming back and I was quite happy to get involved as she needed. And she's emailed me back and said, actually, we're in the process of leaving Dunedin, her and her husband, and we're just setting up a group of run directors to look after Parkrun. I said, sure, I'll join in with that fun. That sounds fine. 
So I came back, it was all up and running. So I inherited a lovely park run. And just over the course of time, I've gone from being one of the group of run directors to being the event director here. And had you been a run director prior to that or was that your first experience run directing back home in Dunedin? First experience. And I've never been a public speaker. I would get quite nervous speaking in front of people. And I have to say that it's done the world of good for my confidence being a regular run director now and speaking in front of people. And people often come and say, you're really good at this. I'm like, oh, I really don't like doing it. But it's given me great confidence getting up in front of people on a regular basis, taking them through the briefing and welcoming them to Dunedin. I think that's one of the things that we sometimes forget about volunteering, especially in the parkrun world. We all do it because we love parkrun and want to contribute to our parkrun community. But you can actually build some really great skills and, um, you know, learn some things about yourself that you hadn't through volunteering from time to time as well. So it's really great that you've had that experience as well, Tanya. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as well as run directing, obviously, you've you've had a bit of a go at a whole bunch of volunteer roles. Which is your favourite? Is being the RD your favourite or have you got a fondness for something else? I do like RDing, um, especially when everything goes well on the day and it's nice to kind of chat to people and just make sure everything's ticking over. Our parkrun's not so big that it's very stressful all the time um, just when something goes wrong or if we have quite large numbers for us then you have to pay a bit more attention so usually it's just checking in with people and chatting to the visitors who come up and say how lovely it's been uh, so yeah run directing is my favorite part of volunteering all right now let's get into the nitty-gritty of Dunedin all we've heard so far is hills and I don't mind a hill personally but some of our listeners don't love hills, so sell us the course at Dunedin. What's it like? Oh, it's fantastic. We're very lucky to be running in the Botanic Gardens here in Dunedin. That does mean we can't have dogs in the gardens, so we do get to miss out on our parkrun pups. But um, we hopefully make up for that with our beautiful gardens. Uh, the, we run two loops around our bottom section, which is the manicured garden where the roses are and some beautiful big trees and the seasonal uh, garden beds. And then we run into our bush section and the hilly bit of the gardens, which is run on trail. So it's slightly different than around the bottom. And you get to do that two times. We have a couple of good hills in there for people to enjoy. We have a section called the Stairs of Despair. So we do warn people about that before they uh, <laughs> come across it. Fabulous name. The fast runners are amazing to watch run up there when they go past you as you are slogging it up there, you know, puffing and panting. And they seem to uh, take it in their stride. Um, and then we get to finish past the duck pond in front of the big band rotunda on the open grass. It's just beautiful. It definitely sounds very scenic. Absolutely. Is there a cafe or is coffee on site with a coffee van? Or We have a cafe in the gardens who love us. They are very welcoming of all the park runners because we pack them out most Saturdays. Great kiwi cafe food, muffins and scones and pies and that kind of thing and a good cup of coffee in there as well. Excellent. Now, when we got to March this year and all the events were cancelled... Did you anticipate that that was coming? We did have some countries already cancelled because of the virus ahead of New Zealand. 
Did you think it was on the cards? I think it's, I was saying to people, watch out, I think we're going to start getting park runs cancelled. But I don't know if I meant in New Zealand. And I think how quickly we went into lockdown surprised us because one week we were running and then the next week we weren't running. Um, So I don't think it totally surprised us, but I think the speed with which it happened did. Yeah, not only were you not running, but you weren't leaving your houses either, were you? No. So we went into a pretty full-on lockdown within 48 hours where we were to stay at home unless you're going out for groceries or to the pharmacy um, or for a walk around your block to get some exercise type thing. So it was pretty restrictive, yeah. And it did happen really suddenly. That last weekend that Park Run ran, I was up at Mooloola Bar with some friends of mine from New Zealand and some of them changed their flights to get back into the country on that Sunday so that they wouldn't have to go into um, isolation and, and lockdown and, and all of those things and, and others did have to go into full-on lockdown and isolation when they got home and it was quite um, – I remember speaking to them. It, it happened just a little bit more gradually here and it, it was a really big shock. So what's your experience been in lockdown? Has that been – you know, is there any positives out of that for you, Tanya? I think – Maybe like most people, I was quite anxious when it first started because everything was so unknown. We didn't know, you know what was going on in the world, how that was going to affect us personally. Um, and then after a while, you kind of get into your routines and I just kept working through it as well. So I had that stability of my job still going on. Mm. Motivating yourself to get out and do something was quite a good thing to do it, got you out into your neighbourhood, you got to see people out on the street walking with their families and their children. That was really a really nice part of lockdown. And I think it made people kind of slow down a little bit, whereas you used to rush, rush, rushing around all the time because you didn't have to be anywhere, do anything other than stay at home. So I think a lot of people, it gave them a chance to think about their priorities in life as well. Some people went under into some financial strain, so there were some issues people had to deal with there. Um, yeah, it was strange times. Yeah, I think some people were quite isolated as well. Like I did think a lot about our park runners that come down to park run as part of their social activity for the week, where. They would might be at home by themselves during that time. It was quite challenging for for some people who were very isolated during that time. Uh, so it was great to see, you know, that's one of the great things about Parkrun is it gives you that weekly outlet for getting to see people and getting to make friends. So I know some event teams did various things on social media to engage their communities. Were you guys on board with that? Did you do anything different or check in with your participants? We didn't. I didn't do any special activities, but I was posting regularly on our Facebook page and also sharing things like the Parkrun quiz or anything that was coming up on the global Parkrun social media pages just to get them into our local area as well and just trying to encourage people to get out there and 
have some activity outside, even though we were in lockdown. We actually had a really nice autumn here in Dunedin, so the weather played ball with us, which was great. I'm sure your community really appreciated that effort to just keep them connected and, and keep that line of communication open. So moving on, you're back. We Woo-hoo. all watched. <laughs> yeah, let's have a little. <laughs> Definitely that's worth a cheer. We're back at the happily ever after again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> on the first weekend when your events launched, you all adopted a country. So what country did you have at Dunedin and, and how did that um, manifest with your community there? So Dunedin is a has its history in Scotland and I decided we'd go completely against the grain because we usually would pick Scotland as our country yeah. to support. <laughs> but that would make too much logical sense and where's the fun in that? <laughs> so we actually have one of the ladies who's a regular park runner is from the Netherlands so I thought it might be nice for her and for the rest of the park run community if we chose the Netherlands and they also come with a great colour scheme so we could pick it go with orange as a great colour scheme to go back on our first part. Yeah, fantastic, nice and bright. So that's how we that's how we came up with those guys. So lots of orange. Yes. Did you have any delicacies to, to snack on afterwards? Yes, we did have some um, Dutch biscuits at the end as well because you can't have to, don't you? <laughs> I've heard that those Dutch, Dutch biscuits are pretty special too. Yes, they're very nice. Unfortunately, it was a very windy day and just towards the end it did blow over the plate with the leftover Dutch biscuits on, but I think most people got to have one before that happened. Oh, you can't get good weather all the time. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tanya, there was, well, I guess it was roughly, what was it, three and a half months pause for you guys over there? Yeah. Between March and coming back now at the beginning of July, a fancy dress notwithstanding because, of course, that would have attracted a lot of people. Did you see um, a massive difference in the participation numbers or your volunteers? We had something very strange happen is that we finished park runs in March with 165 runners and then our first park run back, we came back with 165 runners. Weird. Spooky weird. That's fantastic. Did you check all the names to see if they were exactly the same people? No, I haven't done that. <laughs> That's okay. I don't blame you because that, that would have hurt your eyes, no doubt, especially if they didn't all come in the exact same order. That would require some sort of fancy spreadsheet to do something and that's way beyond my abilities. Yeah. And you had Dutch biscuits to eat. Who needs to be doing spreadsheets yeah. when you've got Dutch biscuits? <laughs> and coffee to drink in the cafe. Coffee to drink and two muffins. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. So your face was hurting by the time you got home and for the rest of the day because of the big grin. Were you on that high for the rest of the week until event number two? Well, first of all, I had to get used to the fact that I have to come and wash the tokens and dry them all off and then realise that one went missing along the way. So it was kind of a big hard slap back into uh, normal parkrun reality there. Then I was thinking about going away for my second parkrun. So I wasn't going to be at my home parkrun for the second week back. And you did. You ended up taking a little trip straight back into the adventuring. And where did you head? I'm, I'm not going to say, I know, I know where you went, but I'm not going to say it because I want to hear how it's actually pronounced correctly <laughs> <laughs> rather than have me butcher it. Yeah, so I flew to the North Island and I went to Kapiti Coast Park Run. Oh, thank goodness, because I was totally going to call it Kapiti Coast. (laughs) (laughs) Kapiti, Kapiti, I can say. 
Excellent. This is it's all educational this podcast. Thank you for explaining <laughs> that one to me. Any time. I had a chat with Kent Stead a little bit earlier today and um yeah, he pronounced the northernmost event and I I can my tongue can't get around that one, I'm afraid. Can you tell us can for the for the podcast listeners what it's called? Is that Fongaray? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And it's not spelt like that, no. is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody's interested, just head to the map of New Zealand and go look at what the northernmost event is and then you can replay Tanya with her beautiful pronunciation. Fongaray Park Run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I picked a nice and easy one when I went to New Zealand. I went to Millwater. Oh, too easy. <laughs> too easy. I'll have to challenge myself next time I'm in over the other side of the ditch. And how was – all right, I'm going to try it again. How was Kapiti Coast? Kapiti Coast was lovely. Was that the first time you'd ever been there? No, that one is my home away from home park run because it's near where my mum lives. Uh, so I often go to that one when I'm up that way. And Due to a dodgy knee, so I'm not running myself at the moment, I did some volunteering there, so that was good fun. Nice. So geographically, Kapiti Coast is obviously on one of the coasts. If we wanted to venture across the ditch, where would we fly to and what would we do from there? You would fly into Wellington, so that's the south of the North Island, and then you would head north along the western coast for about an hour, and that would get you to Kapiti Coast. Great. I've got friends in Wellington. I'll hit them up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a home away from home park run, everybody needs one of those, don't they? Yeah, sure. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us on the Park Run Adventurers and letting us know all about your park run story and your park run journey and also giving us just a little insight into what it's been like to get park run back into park run day. Oh, thank you for having me. And hopefully in the not too distant future, and our bubble is expanded to include Australia, you guys can get over here and enjoy our stairs of despair yourself. That would be terrific. I would love that. (laughs) You've sold it for me, Tanya. You've definitely sold it for me. Joining us now from, actually, I don't know where he is, but joining us now is Mark, our fellow roving reporter and Channel 5 News crew member. Mark, how are you going? Where are you? Where in Australia is Mark? That's the uh, the question, isn't it? So I am coming to you live uh, from Dubbo uh, in uh, New South Wales and uh, the family and I uh, were actually hauled up in our uh, caravan at the moment on the pretty much the start of our 14-week um, Australian adventure. 14 weeks. Okay, so there's got to be a story behind this, Mark. Why are you travelling around Australia for 14 weeks? Well, we were actually um, originally meant to be uh, flying out next week to, to Europe for uh, 12 weeks, but uh, good old COVID-19 has uh, squashed those plans. So we've kind of brought forward uh, some plans from that, for, that we're going to do in 2021. Uh, we were going to do the, the full lap around Australia. Uh, so we don't have the time to do that this time this year. So we're hoping that we'll get to do um, half a lap uh, this year over the next 14 weeks. 
Awesome, and I think I can hear Nicole and the kids in the background. So you're in a, you're actually in a caravan with your family at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, recording recording in our caravan. Normally, you know, if I was going to be on the, <laughs> on the podcast, I'd be you know using the study at home, so I was away from all the all the noise. But yeah, here we are in our in our caravan. So this is the authentic uh, authentic life for me at the moment. I half expect to hear a dad. Could you keep your voice down? We can't hear the TV. <laughs> All right, cool. So you are on an adventure around Australia at the moment, half a lap of Australia. And while you are doing that, I'm assuming, and I hope not incorrectly, that you'll be taking in some new park runs while you're moving around, even if you can't actually get your barcode scanned. Yeah, look, you know, obviously when we we kind of – we're going to do uh, a European trip. You know, we have plans to, to tick off um, park runs uh, in Europe and uh, certainly when we do the full lap around Australia, we have plans to tick off some of the big uh, park runs um, there as well. Uh, but the way things are, obviously, we, we can't do that, but there's nothing stopping us from doing our non-park runs and freedom runs, uh, and that's that's certainly the intent. And um, already knocked over a, a couple um, on, on the way to, to Dubbo. So that's been good. And there have been park runs that I haven't actually been to yet. Uh, so it was good to go and explore some new courses. So give us the list, Mark. Where have you been and what's been the highlight so far? Uh, so the first one I visited was uh, Lawson Park Run uh, in the, the Blue Mountains. Um, that's one that I've been quite keen to, to check out for, for a while. You know, I've, I've seen some of the, my you know, other park runners in, in Canberra go do that when they've gone to go do UTA. Uh, some, you know, some really iconic photographs that have come out of out of that timber. Uh, sorry, Lawson, and uh, yeah, I, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a hard one. I, I did get a, a GPX file from somebody, but uh, somewhere I did go a little bit off course. Um, but I did manage to, to get out the five k there. Um, it's a it's a it's a tough course. It's a it's a trail course. A lot of rock there. Some some decent hills. Uh, but yeah, very pretty area. Uh, the kids got some um, some good photos there. Yeah, so the next one was then um, Bathurst, and uh, that's uh, you know just on the, the fringe of like I suppose the CBD of Bathurst, and uh, along by the river, and that's a that's a really pretty course. I uh, really enjoyed that one. So it's kind of like a, it was a bit of a strange one. I, I I did get a GPX file for that one from um, from Gary Clark as well, and somewhere there's a turnaround point, and, and I completely missed it. Um, so I, I did basically two laps, whereas apparently you meant to kind of go out and then go back and then back again or something. Um, but, yeah, the, it was a really pretty course. I really enjoyed that one, uh, mainly on, um, say, yeah, bike path kind of kind of paths. Um, but, yeah, you're running right next to the river there, which was quite nice and a nice big bridge crossing. And then um, today was at Orange, and that was cold. Oh. And that's uh, – Proper Canberra cold that one. I, I, yeah, that was that was hard to get out of the car and and, and go and run that one. Uh, there was some, some yeah some really really cold wind there, uh, and and that was a another course that uh, you know on paper looks fairly straightforward, but again uh, something went wrong with my garden watch directing me the wrong way. Um, but I, I did squeeze out the five k there. Uh, again around um, some water there. I think that's a really pretty course. I think the difference with this one too was that. The, the paths are very a couple of different paths um, there, so you've got bike paths and the concrete path. But there's also like a really nice trail section there too. Uh, so yeah, really enjoyed um, Orange today, and I think uh, in a warmer day it would be um, yeah, it'd be a really idyllic course. It must be a bit of a logistical challenge organising 
Well, I, th- I would imagine even for a single person or a couple, but for a family, there must be lots of logistics that go into this kind of trip. So um, how much forward planning have you done? Well, funnily enough, we kind of pulled this whole thing together within about two months. So once we knew that we definitely weren't going to Europe, we knew that we weren't, we needed to go on a holiday. You know, it's, been a, it's obviously been a rough year for a lot of people in Australia. You know, we were heavily impacted by the bushfire smoke over the Christmas New Year period. Um, you know, concern, I suppose, around the bushfires that were you know, close to friends and family in Canberra. Uh, and then both of our cars got written off in the hailstorm in Canberra in January. Uh, and then obviously COVID-19. So it's been a pretty pretty rough year. And, I, and I'm certainly not saying that, you know, it's just us. It's certainly impacted you know, a fair majority of all Australians in some way, some shape or form with the bushfires, drought, smoke, um, our storms, other storms, and COVID nineteen, but we were, yeah, we 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 were tired and exhausted. We knew we needed a holiday, uh, so like I said, we kind of thought well, we'll pull together, um, pull forward a trip from that we're planning for doing next year, and we just yeah, just started the kind of the ball rolling to to try and get this holiday happening, uh, which included you know. Yeah, we had to buy two new cars after the hours, hours got written off and then also buying a caravan uh, and then looking at where we go uh, and how long do we take at different places and things like that. Um, we are now actually up to our plan D um, for the where we're going and, and things like that because it has changed due to um, the hotspots that have popped up in Victoria, now New South Wales, and also borders um, and things like that. So it's... Um, it hasn't been too bad with the planning, um, but it's certainly teaching us to be be flexible, um, which is yeah, interesting. And you're all coping with that flexibility fairly well. Like you, you know, you're already up to Plan D. How how many more plans do you anticipate there'll be before the end of the trip? Oh, look, who knows? You know, I'm, and I've, this is, I suppose, very different for me. You know, like I, I am somebody who does like a lot of you know, control and order. Uh, so I think for me, this is actually really a good lesson for me is about being being flexible and just going with the flow. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of quite comfortable with it, you know, and it really is a case of that we're just planning on what does the next week look like and then we'll just take it take it as it comes. Um, so our plan is over the next week to to cross over into Queensland, which, you know, should then give us quite a lot of time to to, to, to move our way up the north coast in Queensland and then we um, we hope to then get across into the Northern Territory. What happens after that, honestly, I don't know. You know, will, will we be able to go into South Australia from the Northern Territory after that uh, or are we going to have to backtrack to come back home or come home via Mount Isa? You know, these are things we just don't know. So we're just going to take it as our week as it comes. Another COVID silver lining, learning different adaptability <laughs> and flexibility. Um, you know, it's had an impact on all of us, that's for sure. So in terms of planning, you said that you're a bit up in the air. You headed to the greatest state here in Queensland, both Mel and my home state. Have you got any ideas of the freedom or not park runs you might do up here? Not yet, to be honest, um, because the, the announcement for South Australia not opening the border to New South Wales and ACT only happened, you know, sort of around midday today. So we've kind of just started playing around with um, our itinerary to see where we'll go. We're certainly keen to catch up with our friends at the, um, in the Gold Coast and go to their home park run and do a do a freedom run with them, and then yeah, see where we go, where we are. But um, yeah, certainly keen to to keep ticking off as many as we can. Well, I certainly hope you include Lyndall and myself as. Uh some stopovers along the journey because if you're going to head north and you're going to take the coastal road, you're certainly going to pass 
both of us as well. Looking forward to hearing more about your adventures, Mark, and I do love your attitude. I think this is a big learning year for a mm. lot of people mm. and, yeah, it's it's throwing everything it can at us. But come on, 2020, bring it on and see what you can do because I reckon we're going to come out stronger for it in the end. Yeah, look, I, I do hope that there are lots of positives that come out of you know, this situation, you know, whether it's a case of the, it's the small things, you know, it might be a case of people recognising the value of uh, family and friends more, getting out and doing exercise, you know, like you've seen, like, you know, there's been an explosion in people buying bikes and things like that. You know, I hope that those kind of activities, you know, continue beyond this and we don't go back to, to, to all bad habits. Let's hope not. Well, Mark, we're looking forward to plenty of roving reports or not roving reports or no no but you will be roving so they're not not roving reports i don't know what we're going to call them maybe they're freedom reports freedom reports <laughs> <laughs> or free ports free ports <laughs> free ports i think the creative name needs some work yeah i think we can agree on that <laughs> yeah maybe maybe we'll be able to workshop that in about a week when uh when when i'm in queensland <laughs> <laughs> we'll send a note down to our people on the border to let you in yes please yeah like give me oh, that's where i, I could just flash them the, the channel 5 news crew um id badge you know just oh yeah that's know. good for all borders perfect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me over yeah, no, I'll be uh, yeah, I'll be submitting some not park run freedom run reports where I'll just I'll group together a whole lot of um, yeah park runs that I've done just let people know where I've been and um, maybe where we're kind of heading to. Like I said, this trip is all about being flexible. So. Can't wait. Have a happy trip between now and the next roving report, Mark. Thank you very much. Lenzel. Yes, Mel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I have come across the gem of 2020 thus far, one of my definite highlights and must-have recommendation on Netflix. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. Have you heard of it? I have. I have. Have you watched it? I have. What did you think? Was it not amazeballs? It, look, I've got two words for you. Gold pants. <laughs> <laughs> so you're with me then. You have gold pants. You understand. I have gold pants. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move to Iceland and I want to join Eurovision basically, after this movie, not least of all because of the soundtrack was, oh, I've, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify today yeah. <laughs> and I want to go back. I've been dancing with the boys and singing out loud, ya, ya, ding, dong. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to teach them how to do all the words as well because every three-year-old and one-year-old needs to know how to sing ya, ya, ding, dong. Yes, if Anyone out there is listening and you have not seen this movie yet, it is a must watch, especially because it stars Will Ferrell, who obviously we're a big fan of here on the podcast because of Anchorman being the originator of where the Channel 5 news crew has come from, originally the Channel 4 news crew. <laughs> and I'm a big fan because Mugatu, Zoolanders, you know, 
So yeah, I I don't know, Lyndall. I think I think this has given us more scope for what we can do with the Channel Five News crew. Mm, I'm not so sure about that, Mel. I, I'm not no? seeing that. No, no. Well, see, I've tried to run in gold pants and it wasn't great. So I, <laughs> I'm just not sure what we can apply from Fire Saga to uh, the Channel 5 News crew. Well, we have all sung at various points on the podcast. We've done compilations. Maybe we just need to mix it up a little bit. Eurovision style and um, I'm look I'm not suggesting we change the name of the Channel 5 News crew to Fire Saga although that did occur to me at one point Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I can change to Fire Saga I might even order an apricot shirt with Fire Saga oh yes on the customized (laughs) on the customized panel it's like Parkrun Fire Saga I think that would be pretty damn cool if I was going to get something that was not adventurer that would be it. That would be it. No question, no competition. Yeah, so I, I, I think there is definitely some scope. With, we might have to chat with the rest of the news crew, but I, I think some kind of Eurovision entry could be on the cards here. Well, you know, Europe adventuring, there, there's a link there for sure about, you know, the European countries. I think all of us have got a European country on our wish list to actually go to and park run. At least one, if not more. Maybe the closest we're going to get to that in the near future is being Eurovision contestants from those countries. Because I don't know when we're going to be able to travel internationally again. This is a good point. And you know what? I think it's something that has been brought home to me as well, even in little things like the New Zealand uh, event teams nominating or, or adopting a country and including the rest of us, the rest of the world in the return of Parkrun over there. I think there's a lot of opportunity for the world to come together right now, even if even if we're all apart. Yeah. And I think I'm sure there's got to be some kind of Eurovision Song Contest Parkrun scenario that we can work in here. I'm keen to hear if anybody's got any ideas. That's a great idea. Let's put it out to our listeners. There's some some creative people out there. They, they might be able to give us a, you know, challenge here and um, figure out what the link is apart from Will Ferrell. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's make this happen. <laughs> There are just too many ideas and too many concepts in my head and I just it's too noisy up there. Somebody needs to just give me a straight answer about, yeah, you know, something amazing. So, yes, please get in touch with us. Let us know what we can do. And as I said, if you haven't seen the movie, you must watch it. Disclaimer, I do know one person <laughs> who turned it off in the first 30 minutes because they thought it was uh, rubbish and not their humour at all. <laughs> Look, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm not going to mention any names. Tim Oberg. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. Not everybody's going to love everything. But I think if you enjoy this podcast, it might just tickle a funny bone. Anyway, um, but that does bring me, since we're, we're laying down challenges, that does bring me to, oh, it wasn't a challenge as such, but we did ask to find out where other people have been not park running. We've asked it a couple of times, actually, in the last two episodes. Uh, Dave and I mentioned it, and then Melissa and Ollie mentioned it last week, which was pretty cool. So let me just scroll through to the Facebook and see if we actually had 
any replies? We did get um, replies a couple weeks ago. This is the part where I should have actually done some preparation beforehand, but I only just remembered it now. Um, okay, on, on the most recent episode, on episode 204, uh, Andrew Turner has kindly got in touch. Oh, and he's got a picture as well, but we all know that pictures don't translate very well to podcasts so let's read what he actually said he he said thanks for another episode great to hear from New Zealand I've been doing my not park runs in Footscray Park with the occasional spectacular sunrise the course is fairly close to home which is Maribyrnong record attendance between lockdowns has been five tourists welcome once that is allowed again so that's very cool it's nice to hear other people have created their own courses and are welcoming adventurers along to visit those and indeed the uh, picture that he shared is a bit of a spectacular sunrise so can vouch for that yeah yeah head to the page if you want to see it and then formally to that we also had Peter Pullman got in touch and said they have been going anywhere that is an our park run course and he got a PB congratulations Peter on your PB Sonia got a 59.59 though gasp it's one of those scream emoji oh Garmin fails well, see, that's what I thought. But apparently he said it was an actual 59.59. So she she took almost an hour. I'm not sure whether or not it was intentional or it just was a, a random happy occurrence. Mm, I wonder. There's a nice story there. Mel, uh, maybe Sonia could be co-opted into your um, efforts to... Eurovision. Get your stopwatch bingo. Oh, stopwatch bingo. Yeah, well, you know what? Not Parkrun Bingo. I, I'm not keeping track, but I'm pretty sure I've got a different seconds at the end of all four of my things so far. <laughs> well, hopefully we won't be not park running for enough time to get stopwatch bingo. Yeah, I mean, if, if you consider it being 60 weeks, but you can do multiple runs every week. This is true. Not that I've got the time to do multiple runs every week. You could punch that out pretty fast if you really wanted to. Somebody could. Somebody could. <laughs> Not me, but somebody could. <laughs> that person's out there, I'm sure. They're probably They've already probably halfway already through stop with yeah. bingo. <laughs> if you have done not parkrun stop watch bingo, I want to hear from you. Also get in touch. Who else? Bruce Purdy, he's been swapping his home run for each not a park run to support the local events. And that's pretty cool because you know what, Bruce Purdy actually stopped by Kiwana Park Run virtually this week. So g'day, Bruce. It was nice to see you on the results. Oh, good on you, Bruce. There's a creative way to get your Peel Club. <laughs> exactly. Following on from Bruce, Lee Cabarita has been doing not park runs along the river close to roads and Parramatta park runs. We're really lucky to have lots of choices here and we are, Lee, you're right. And it is really nice to be able to run you know, if not in your park run on Saturday morning, it is really nice to, to just get close to your park runs and, and say g'day. And I'm a big fan of near the water as well, personally. There's just something very calming about running near water. I love running along the waterside. Now, hello to Stuart Brandwood, who's commented. He has not shared where he's been not park running, but he has got a question and wants to know, as a newbie, can he just ask about Clark Norris? Now, Lindell, have you heard about Clock, Club, Clock Norris? Do you know who that is? I do not know who Clock 
Cluck Norris is. It's not easy to say, is it? Especially when you want to say Chuck. It is not easy to say. <laughs> well, Stuart, I'm, once again, this is a very educational podcast this week. So Cluck Norris is a well-loved rubber chicken who resides at Wyndham Vale Park Run and is actually part of the event team there. Uh, originally, Cluck began at Park Run after the starting horn that had previously been used stopped working. So the joint EDs, uh, Maria and Andrew, needed something to fill the void. So they brought along Cluck Norris. Oh. Because he makes a honking sound. There you go. Yeah. So if you uh, want to experience a park run with Cluck Norris, you need to get to Wyndham Vale Park Run. Noted. I'll have to put it on my, my uh, adventure list. It's been another fun pod, Lyndall. It was great talking to Tanya and then to Mark as well. And obviously wonderful having your fine company along for the ride. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mel. I loved it once again. And yep, great conversation with you and Tanya and Mark. I've just got three words for you, Lyndall. Yeah, yeah, which is one word. Ding dong. <laughs> Ding dong all the way. Ding dong all the way.